Welcome to the Tall and Urban Podcast by the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat. This is Daniel Safarik. This is Season 1, Timber Rising, sponsored by the USDA Forest Service. We're talking with leading experts about mass timber, a way of building with engineered wood products that is gaining traction around the world. Today we're talking to Mark Wishney, Chief Sustainability Officer and Head of Landscape Capital at BTG Pactual Timberland Investment Group, an investment firm focused on climate-positive commercial timberland around the world. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you. So the first question I want to ask is a really general one. What do you consider to be sustainable forestry? Um, well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so uh, that, that is a question that has lots of different answers um, and uh, it varies a, a lot based on who you ask and the context in which you ask. Generally speaking, though, um, there are a couple of concepts that are, that are sort of central to sustainable forestry. Um, the first is when we're talking about sustainable forestry, we're talking about a forest that um, we're managing sustainably, generally speaking. And not all forests are managed uh, or actively managed for timber. Um, a lot of forests are, um, are, are protected. So we have uh, in the United States, we have national parks, we have wilderness areas, we have national monuments, uh, we have state parks, et cetera. And, uh, and all of those are areas where we've said that the best use of this forest or grassland or whatever it is, is um, to, uh, uh, to protect um, natural uh, processes, to, to protect wild habitat, to protect wilderness, to provide recreational opportunities, et cetera. Those areas actually require some level of, of management, but we're not actually, we're not actively uh, going in to extract, uh, to cut down trees and extract timber. Um, but one of the principles of sustainable forestry is <clears throat> Fundamentally, that not all forests are are um, are suited for for management. There are lots of other values that we derive from forests, and and there are lots of places um, that are and should be um, protected and not not disturbed by management. But then there are lots of places that we do manage, where we do uh, sustainably harvest timber. And so the the fundamentals of sustainable management of those places uh, are uh, fundamentally that when we, um, when we go in and we cut down trees, um, that we replant those trees or we regenerate that forest. Sometimes we can do that without necessarily planting another tree. I think we can take advantage of the, the ways that forests naturally regenerate, but that we cut down trees and we regenerate what, we, what it is that we've removed. And that the way that we manage that forest, the way that we uh, build our rows, the way that we, we cut down the trees, the, the way that we uh, remove the logs, what we do with the residuals, that all of that um, protects the locally uh, important uh, natural habitats, waterways, wetlands, et cetera. And then all of the activities that we're performing, they, um, they don't impair, but they actually sustain or enhance the health of the forest so that we're not reducing the health of the forest, the productivity of the forest, the condition of the forest through our management, but we're actually sustaining it um, over time. Uh, what kinds of trees are normally cut down for commercial timber production um, and what typically gets left behind? And I guess the caveat to that is what, what does mass timber change about that equation? Well, when we're talking about mass timber, we're talking about really a subset of the world's forests and the world's trees. Um, and so the first thing to keep in mind is that we make mass timber uh, out of the same stuff that we make um, two by fours and two by sixes out of. So when you go to uh, your Home Depot or your Lowe's, 
uh, to buy some lumber, um, you are buying softwood. So those two by fours and those two by sixes, they're made out of uh, pine or fir or Douglas fir or perhaps spruce. So all the species that we learn uh, as, uh, as, as, as kids in, in grammar school that are evergreen trees, that are conifers, um, that are needle leaf trees. So, so things that look like, like pine trees. Um, and the reason that we use that kind of wood for, for mass timber, the same reason we use it for two by fours, is that soft wood has long fibers, the wood is light, it has good structural properties, so it's good to build with. What we don't use for mass timber is what's called hardwood, which doesn't mean that it's harder, it, it, it just means it's a different group of, of, of trees. These are broadleaf trees, so you can think about oaks and maples, species that have, have broad, flat, open leaves, birch trees, there's lots of different kinds. So uh, there's um, been a lot of discussion very recently uh, in the media about the massive forest fires that we're experiencing um, all through the West Coast. And there's some, let's just say, under-informed discussion about the causes of these uh, fires. But there is a component of maintaining the forest floor that has to do with controlling these fires and there is something to do with the supply chain um, of mass timber, uh, which could have an impact on this. Can, can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, well, well like, like uh, most things, um, there's uh, obviously, there's some complexity to what's driving these fires. But, um, but most scientists would agree that there are two primary causes. One is that the planet is warming. Um, but the other cause is management, and, and particularly um, in our drier forests, which includes the Sierra Nevadas in California, and uh, particularly the, the eastern slopes of the Cascade Mountains in Oregon and Washington. Um, the role that mass timber has to play there is that, uh, one, we, we actually know what to do for the most part to stop those fires, which is to go into those forests and remove um, some of those trees, remove some of the, the smaller trees, uh, thin those forests out, remove or reduce the amount of fuel that's in those in those stands. Uh, the challenge is that we need markets for those products in order to be able to afford to go do that. It's a very expensive thing to do. So being able to sell the, the, the stuff that you pull out of the forest is sort of key to that. And uh, uh, those kinds of initiatives offer the potential to um, dramatically improve forest health by financing the removal of this very dangerous fuel from those forests and then reducing the risk of these, these large catastrophic wildfires. To, to what degree do you think that the the mass timber or tall timber trend can impact the the localization and life cycle um, impact of of construction, which we know is very very large? Yeah, great question. Well, I think that that um, there are a lot. There are many sort of less tangible uh, uh, potential benefits to mass timber. Um, more that's being learned about the impact uh, uh, of, of of residents and of of workers of, of living and working in structures built with natural materials, but there's some indication that um, you, you create environments that have a lower baseline level of stress or that have other calming effects that are, have other effects that are positive on health. Um, the, 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 there's also the potential for mass timber construction to really help link urban environments with, uh, with their rural surroundings. That is to connect cities with the, the forests around them, with the with the the, the, the landscapes around them, um, by building cities out of out of their local materials and and providing a connection between rural communities and urban communities. 
Um, and, and, and that I think is, is a less tangible, but, but equally powerful uh, 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 potential benefit, particularly um, as in a, with an, a, a population which is increasingly urbanized and, 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 and many of us living in increasing density, and for many of us, less and less connected to the natural world, those, those tangible connections, I think, can be very, very powerful. Um, the, the life cycle uh, impact of mass timber can also be very significant. Um, there's some research that, uh, that I helped to initiate uh, while I was in my previous position where I, I led the global forestry program at the Nature Conservancy, one of the, the world's large environmental organizations. That, that research is underway, but the initial results indicate that um, building with mass timber can reduce the, the carbon footprint of buildings by uh, perhaps as much as 75%, which is a, a massive benefit. The, the built environment, you know, materials in the built environment represent perhaps 11% of global CO2 emissions. The built environment as a whole, perhaps as much as 40%. And, and projections are that we're gonna double our global floor area over the next 40 years. So getting that, the, the, the built environment um, to be carbon neutral or carbon positive uh, is, uh, is, is a critical challenge if we're going to address climate. The benefits are so significant uh, from a climate perspective that um, it is often, this needs to be tested in each case, but it often is, is still the better alternative from a, from a climate perspective. What do you think needs to happen to kind of get to the point where this is a mainstream solution from a um, policy perspective? Uh, you know, starting with, um, you know, education at the university level for architects and engineers, including, um, you know, including timber construction in, in, as, as a component of, of, of educational programs. I know the University of Arkansas has really been doing a lot of great work there, um, but all the way through professional education and uh, 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 and, um, uh, and making sort of toolkits available to policymakers to say, well, if you want to pursue this, what are the what are the the code changes? What are the policy changes? What are the incentives that work if you want to make mass timber part of your cities, your metro areas, um, climate or green growth goals? But I think that, I mean, I think ultimately there are, what really makes a difference is just having more buildings, right? As when, when, when buildings go up, when people can see them, I mean, it, it is helpful, I think, to this overall um, project uh, that mass timber buildings are often very beautiful. Um, when, the, when mass timber is exposed, and it's not always exposed, but when the timber is exposed, it, it, it lends itself to long spans, to high ceilings. The, the, the natural material, I think, is, uh, is is uh, inherently attractive to many many people, and I think that um, that you know there is a role for policymakers who can be a, a bit progressive um, to help make more of those buildings happen. I mean, we've seen you know states uh, uh, commit to early adoption of the 2021 building codes, which allow for for, for mass timber uh, construction up to 18 stories. Um, we have we've seen cities which have been sort of very willing to work with developers uh, in places like Portland or Milwaukee now um, to to get mass timber buildings built. But I think ultimately having more beautiful mass timber buildings uh, for people to see uh, and appreciate and enjoy is the most you know, the most useful, most powerful. Standing. Thanks, Mark. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was good to to speak with you, and uh, thanks for including me.